Today is the 13th day of the Omer. We are doing Gaf Mem Zion, and today is Chafchas Nisan, the 22nd of April. And uh, the 13th day of the Omer, the learning is Le'el Nishmas, Harav Yitzchak, Tzvi Ben Rebchaim Yosef, Shalom should have an aliyah from the learning of the Dafyami here in the virtual Hollywood Shtibo. The Gemara um, said on the top of, uh, of Memzayan Amar Aleph, Amar Reb Zera, second line down, Amar Reb Zera, Amar Reb Asi, Amar Reb Chanina, Amar Reb Rumnis. That's a name that we don't hear every day in the Gemara, Reb Rumnis. Hitter Rebbe Palto Macht Baafra. So he recounted and told over to everybody in the Mitzmejah that Rebbe had allowed him to carry this uh, pan which had been used for charcoal, it still had charcoal in it, and it had the ashes in it as well. And he did not consider a pan fire that had been extinguished um, to be to be uh, to be mukta on Shabbos. Is Rebbeichon hold like that? So we're not really sure but at the moment we're going to assume that we, the, the Heter was that since the uh, this the 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 afar the ashes would be muktza because that that's just like dirt. The question is if the fact that it's in a pan with coals is enough to allow you to uh, is enough to allow you to carry it on Shabbos or not. The Gemara says the Amr Beir Basimi Amr Beir and Haki didn't we learn differently than that? Bahatnan Bahatnan a person may carry their son, a human being, on Shabbos, who's holding a, a, a stone. So we're not really discussing the laws of it with an Arab or without an Arab, but more the question of Muqsa uh, and a stone would be a stone would be Muqsa. So therefore, we said you cannot carry, you may carry your son who's holding a stone, a kilpul or a basket for Evan Batoichel with a stone in it. The whole reason why there's not a problem of what carrying this mukta, uh, picking up mukta on Shabbos, and the stone is certainly not a kli, the stone is certainly not a vessel, and it's considered mukta. The whole ability to do so is uh, because there's fruit in the basket. We were talking about a basket full of fruit and it happens to be there's a pebble in there as well. Time with the Ispah Pri. If there's fruit, so then ultimately you're carrying really, you're carrying the fruit and that's the heter to move this basket on Shabbos and the fact that there also is a pebble in there doesn't take away the usefulness and the Status of a kli of a vessel from the basket. A lesva peri, but a that if there's no 
fruit in it, uh, then you may not, uh, you may not in fact carry it on Shabbos. A basket with just a stone in it. So why is it that Rebbe Rudis is teaching us that he was allowed to walk around with ashes in a in a pan on Shabbos? Wouldn't that be like carrying an empty basket with with uh, ashes on Shabbos, with a stone on Shabbos, which would be forbid? Says the Gemara is Shtoimim. The Gemara quotes a pasuk is Shtoimim Kisha Chada. He was he was silent for one moment. It's really a pasuk in Daniel, and uh, the Gemara says he didn't know what to answer him. It seems like there's a contradiction between Rabbi and what the halach is here. Finally, he answered, Case which Rabbi Rumnus knew from Rebbe that it was permissible to carry the pan with the ashes is because there was still some carton. Carton uh, is part of the Lubaina Rashi says, it's part of the uh, frankincense, what they use to make uh, pleasant smelling um, like perfume. And therefore, since they have this pleasant smell coming from the pan, the little bit of uh, spices that was still inside, you're allowed to carry the pen with the ashes as well. So the go this is really a continuation of the concept that in Mukta, in Mukta, you have what we call a din of a basis. You'll have an item which is not Mukta, which is a vessel, which you can carry, uh, which, which is not Mukta on Shabbos. And if there's something which is Mukta, inside that vessel, that would stop you from carrying even the basket, even the, the, the keli itself, the vessel itself. Like we said in the previous Gemara, that the reason why Rav Shimon doesn't generally hold of the restriction of Muktza on Shabbos, but in a case where you were carrying uh, a candle, which the candle would be a buses, would be a, uh, have a support to which is muktza, such as the shalheba, such as a flame. So therefore, that actually has a downward effect that anything supporting the muktza item becomes muktza itself as well. The same thing would be with a vessel that was holding ash would be muktza, according to Rabbi Shimon. The same thing would be a basket that was empty. According to everybody, not just the chiddushes that even according to Rabbi Shimon. And the same thing would be true of a basket which only contained a rock in it, which is not a which is The Gemara says it must be the case of Rebbe and, Rum, and Rumbis, according to Abaye answers, sorry, Gemara answers, where there was little pieces of this pleasant smelling frankincense in the basket, and most of it was charcoal, it was ashes from the charcoal. So really it should have been muksa, but because there was something important inside that basket, inside that vessel that he was carrying, inside that machta, that fire pan, that, uh, you know, uh, used barbecue grill. Therefore, uh, therefore the Gemara says, it's muksa. I'm Rabbi, who are you kidding over here? We're talking about the house of Rebbe. Karten be Rebbe michashibi. A little bit of karten would stop the whole fire pan from being considered muktza in Rebbe's household. Rebbe was a Yudah Nasi, and he was like, and uh, Rashi says, the Nasi va'asher have a Obviously, they didn't 
here when they cleared out the barbecue, they didn't look to see if there's anything usable inside a fire. Perhaps some of the good, pleasant smell of uh, wood chips could be saved. This is Rabbi Yehuda Nasi's house. They, they didn't uh, have that chashivas. Uh, and therefore, he doesn't understand that the fire still there's still a question. How could Rebbe Rumnus have allowed it? been taught that this is permissible and that it's not mukta, being the puzzle, it's just a handful of ashes. Clearly, it shouldn't be worse than an empty basket. It shouldn't be better than an empty basket with the stone in it, which we know from Rebbe Eichon is mukta. Says the Gemara, tell me that even though you may not think it's worth very much, however, Ani, uh, a poor person, would be very happy to come along and collect the scraps of of these uh, tips that have a pleasant smell. Over for him, this would be very good. Says the Gemara, it's not; it doesn't help. We know already from of that there is some room for subjectivity in terms of what's considered a begged, what's considered a garment. Yes, it's true that you can, an uh, 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 ani has a different size garment which he considers to be kashif, as he's going to still keep that material to make a small garment out of it where a wealthy person would not. But it doesn't work to say, for a wealthy person to say, oh, the fact that this garment is uh, fit to be uh, for an ani, therefore I consider it to be a vessel and it should be metabotoma. It doesn't work like that. It has to fit your lifestyle in order for us to say that the size of that tiny garment is considered garment. If you're a wealthy person, he doesn't go look to burnt out uh, fire pans or barbecue grills for a few scraps of wood that still has the pleasant smell of the frankincense that you're burning, if you don't care about those scraps, so then uh, then it doesn't uh, you don't uh, you don't get to consider it to be a vessel in Shabbos purposes. Now the truth is, uh, uh, obviously the uh, the Gemara wasn't uh, referring to Holocaust survivors. There are many wealthy Holocaust survivors, but once they lived through that experience where a few scraps of uh, anything may have saved uh, butter, oil, potato skins, may have saved their life time and time again. So even if they uh, became very wealthy, they had a tremendous reverence for you know, uh, the importance of these little scraps. In the house of Rebbe, Rebbe he lived in a he was very wealthy and he was a leader and it's unlikely that considered it, it doesn't help the fact that there's still some use left in the content of this mafta, being that the servants are already carrying this fire uh, pan that they use for uh, to grill or to cook they're already throwing it out because it has so much ash in it therefore it should render the entire pan entirely. It must be this that Rabbi Rimnus is telling us that he learned that it was permissible to throw it out is because of a din of Rafsharei. It's like taking out the garbage, or um, more accurately, in those days, it was the chamber pot. 
contains the feces, their, uh, you know, sewage matter, and uh, they, they uh, had to throw it out on Shabbos as it was very disgusting. And therefore, there was a special heter with Rav Sharei to remove something which is disgusting on Shabbos. And that applies even still today. We have uh, our garbage, the heter, to be garbage. Uh, in fact, it's not such a clear-cut thing. We're very liberal with it, but there are many, uh, there are, are in fact, many, um, there are many restrictions when it comes to garbage that you will find people being machmerah. On my Rava, said, I have two responses that I'd like to counter Abayin. How could you say that the pan which had contained the fire is considered like sewage, like uh, garbage? It's not true. You're going to reuse this uh, pot and it doesn't get treated with the same disdain. The ashes do not create the same sense of uh, disgust. So it's not fair to put them in the same hat as Graf Shorey. Rosh is in fact uh, uncovered and smells, and that's why Chacham did not make a of Mokta. Did not tell you that you not remove it from the household on Shabbos. But ashes don't necessarily smell. Perhaps what was burning there before smelled, but it had a good smell. So uh, you should have no heter based on the rule of Rosh of removing uh, smelly items from the house to remove this pot. And the question, the contradiction to the Rebbe Rumnus learned from Rebbe, Yehuda Nasi, and Rebbe Eichelin still remain. Rabbi says, Rabbi, Rabbi, and resolved in the following manner. And when I at the house of Rebbe Nachman, he allowed us to move these coal pans, which had contained a fire, and then it went out and became ash. And the reason why is because there was still some pieces of wood that was still reusable. And uh, and uh, the uh, sorry, have Kinuna Agav Kitma. Nachman allowed us to move the coal pan because it contained. Uh, ashes which we use for uh, kitma for covering up different things. For example, if somebody was to spit in the house and they, on Shabbos, the way they would, uh, they had dirt floors, so the way they would cover up the spit is by taking ashes from an extinguished fire and covering it up and they use it as a household uh, covering or cleaning agent. Therefore, he allowed us to take a pan which had contained the fire which went out and now just as ashes. Those ashes in fact have a distinct purpose and should not be considered just like a pebble and uh, just like a rock that uh, was left on the what uh, was left on uh, left on the ground which has no uh status vessel status. Says the Gemara, and even though it has them, it has things that burn that have no value. If it doesn't convert the entire pan of ash, which is useful, into a non-usable item on Shabbos, says the Gemara. It's 
say the shav and shemesh v'shemir psila shas v'talmo? Didn't we learn in Raisa that something which contains a broken um, psila, broken wick, that that renders this item not movable uh, and it, it, on Shabbos because it has something which is not usable inside it. So why would a machta be any better? And how could you tell me that a machta allowed you to move a hand which had ash in it with, together with broken pieces of wood when we learned in a brisa that if you have a lamp which still had some, which had a broken wick, which was unusable, there it becomes, the whole lamp becomes muktzah because of the broken wick. So if you need to fix something in your lamp and make it usable again on Shabbos, it's mukta from that brisa, not like Reb Nachman. I'm I have a little edit, I don't know. Uh, okay, I don't know. So, uh, I'll show so, the Baye is giving it carrots that the Brysa, where did we say that, uh, where did we say that you can, that when Machmer and we make the entire lamp Muktzah, if there's a broken wick about it, that was specifically in the Galil. Why in the Galil would it be different from anywhere else? So Abaya said the Galil is uh, a place where they had tons of oil and uh, they had an easy, Rashi says, the Galil Shanu, the last narrow line, Rashi on the right hand they had a lot of oil, but Oil was cheap, but the wicks were in fact um, expensive. And wicks, they didn't have a lot of wicks there, and uh, therefore even a broken wick, uh, rations because they didn't have a lot of garments made out of uh, linen, of pishtun, therefore they considered a broken wick to be uh, reusable after Shabbos, but muqsa nevertheless. Therefore, the whole lamp became muksa. And now a case where you had a pan with some broken twigs in it. However, it had a lot of usable ash that you could use to cover things in the house. That would not be a contradiction, and that would not be muksa. Now comes the story. And, of course, we always know that when there's a story, all of a sudden, Amorim are analyzing each other's lifestyles. Levi Bashmul came upon Rabbi Abba who was standing at the entranceway to Rabbi Huna's house. Amalahu, and he asked him the following Shiloh. A collapsible bed, and this really goes back to the discussion that the Murrah had concluded on the top. A collapsible bed. So Rashi explains Trisim are uh, like people who travel from city to city like, to do their work and they bring along a bed that they can assemble along with them. Like we have today, inflatable mattresses. 
So they have this type of bed that came apart into pieces and uh, you were able to assemble it, but it was easy to travel with as you could take it apart. So clearly it was meant to be taken apart and put together. So does that mean that when it's taken apart, those pieces are considered or is it perhaps a bed, just it needs to be put together? And more than that, is there a prohibition of assembling a vessel on Shabbos, of being boina a keli, of building a vessel on Shabbos? The Amulei Shapir Dami. So they answered him that uh, it's, it's okay to do it. Being that it's made to reassemble, that's how it's... Uh, that's how it's it's taken. It's not broken. It's not like you're building a kidney for the first time, and it's not broken. Rather, it's meant to be uh, put together. Therefore, you're a potter. Also, the Kamei Rav Yehuda. They came before Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda, and they told Rav Yehuda this exchange. So he said back to them. You say that it's permitted. Rabbi and Shmuel both taught us that, in fact, it's not not permitted in Drabanan. It is a uh, it is a prohibition, and one would be liable if one took a bed that had collapsed and that had been taken apart and you put it back together again on Shabbos. It's it's also midaraisa. Meisve says the Gemara let us challenge that the, the, the earlier ruling. Of Rav and Rav and and of uh, Rabbi Abba and Rav Huna, If somebody puts together the branches of a menorah, so we had earlier a mention of this type of candelabra which comes in sections, and it's meant to be put together. If somebody, but still it, on Shabbos you may not do so. It's considered building a new keli. The pole of the people who do plaster work of the Sayyadin uh, are also forbidden. However, but if you did it, if you assembled it on Shabbos, it's not as severe in the first place as it's not a, there's no chatas, but it's still forbidden. And they gave different examples of reassembling vessels on Shabbos and what their prohibitions are. Rabbi Simoyamar Karen Agula, the wheel of a wagon. Uh, sorry, Karen Agula is a horn, a Karen, a horn, Agula. If it's uh, like a tuba, if it's circular. So then, Chayef, uh, Karen Pshuta, but if it's not, uh, if it's flat, if it's not. Uh, circular potter. So it seems like that was a more basic assembly, whatever they would put in to make it uh, create music. Uh, Rashi says that like a flute, they would put in uh, something which into the holes um, to make it produce music. So uh, a flat one that had no curves wasn't considered a professional assembly. If it had curves, it was considered a professional assembly of a musical instrument on Shabbos, and therefore it would be, uh, it would be uh, forbidden to do. But still, it's potter. 
you shouldn't do it, but potter. There's no liability, no uh, carbon or uh, required. So you see clearly, though, what what does the Gemara want from this? That you're not allowed to go and assemble things on Shabbos, even though that uh, we saw that even the even a bed, if somebody fixes a bed, um, then the chayavachatas. Now, this Bryce that the Gemara quoted, that's, that we want to challenge the ruling that we said earlier about the bed. But the way we have the, the our girsa is we'll have a case of a bed in it. However, we get the general idea assembling things were typically taken apart and put back together is a, is a problem. There's a Gemara in the Gemara Kiyana, we have a different price. Uh, you brought us one Tana to say that it's forbidden. And we have another Brysa. The Amaki, I Tana, the Tanya, says, we have a Brysa that says as follows. Pieces of the, pieces of the bed, which were taken apart, so uh, of a regular bed that were taken apart, who levakum shall skiva. Rashi says, I, um, the, I don't know what the right English term is, but the piece of a bow where you would line up, I guess like a, where you rest the arrow when you're shooting a bow and arrow. So there's a piece, a notch or some sort of, uh, you know, sight that you would attach to the bow to put the arrow there. La Yaxer, you cannot return, put it there on Shabbos. You cannot return the beds of, the legs or the pieces of a bed frame on Shabbos. But if you did it, it's permitted, but it, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's your putter from carbon, but there's no, uh, meaning there's no carbon. It's still forbidden, but there's no carbon. Says the Gemara on the top of Mem Zion on the day, 47b, and don't make it, don't attach it in a strong manner. But if you did it in a strong manner, then it already becomes a biblical prohibition according to the Tanakhama. Reb Shem Gamliel went even further to say not only if you don't attach any of these items mentioned, such as the legs of a bed or the a, a bow, assembling a bow on Shabbos, but if you uh, did not make them tight, if you did it in a loose manner where it comes apart very easily, so then it's not only is it not only are you exempt from bringing a carbon chatas, but you're even permitted to do so. In that case, Rup Shimon Gamliel clearly holds that assembling a bed in a, in, a, in a temporary fashion would be permissible. And therefore, the one who, Robin Shmuel, who held that you, uh, Robin Shmuel, who held that you can assemble a mita sh- shall trace him. Sorry, not Robin Shmuel. According to the opinion of, uh, the, the two people who were standing by the house of Nachman was uh, of Rebhuna, which was uh, Abba and Rebhuna Barchia. They obviously held Rebhuna Gamliel. So 
you don't have a clear-cut answer, can you reassemble things which are meant to be taken apart? It seems like if you do it in a loose manner, you have a machlaikas tanaim, whether it's permissible or not. says that it is permissible. Of course, there's many practical shilas that go into that. Uh, you know, today, we have a lot of things meant to be taken apart. So though this will be very gay yeah, this Gemara, Kahalacha Lamaisa. So the Gemara says there was a story that in Rav Chama's house on Yom Tif, there was a type of bed. Uh, Rashi just says, like the bed of the traveler's bed, so it's meant to be taken apart and put back together. And on Yom Tif, I guess there were extra guests. Chama would put it, uh, assemble it on Yom Tif. It has to be um, the Gerson Magamar's Rava. There is a footnote here that probably changes it to Rav Chama. Yeah, the Rashash and the Rosh. The Rosh changes it to Rav Chama. My Daitcha, so that one of them said to Rav Chama, what type of, uh, what type of behavior is this? Is this not considered to be some form of building of, 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 with a shinoi? And even if you tell me that there's no biblical question, but still that uh, it should still, it, it's still forbidden. So he answered that I in fact like the opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, Rabbi Chama held like the opinion of Shimon ben Gamliel, and therefore he had no problem with a bed on Shabbos, even Midrabanan. So it's very good that we brought here a story to validate the second opinion, not as you have a machlekes amaran, you have a machlekes amaran, but we see clearly that there are those who held speaking that they actually in practice help like Ben Gamliel. Says the Mishnah Memzayin Omid Beis. Noisin Kli Tachas Haner Lekabon Tzoytzis Ve'yikin Toichen Ma'ev Neishu Mechaber. There's two interesting halachas in this Mishnah. Number, halacha number one, you may place a vessel underneath a lamp or catch the sparks, that the sparks shouldn't go all over your house. So you put perhaps a metal or a ceramic tray underneath the candle to receive the sparks. However, the layit in the toichen mayim named shumachaber. That's the most you can do. You cannot then go and fill the tray or bowl or whatever it may be with water, as that would be considered a form of extinguishing fire. Now you're not going to end up extinguishing the main the flame that's in this uh, candlestick. However, the embers or the sparks which land in the water, meaning that you place the water there on Shabbos, you're actually, it's considered like you're putting out those, those, uh, you're putting out those sparks on Shabbos. The Gemara asks, how would you be allowed to place a vessel underneath 
a candlestick where this box flying, at that point, you may no longer remove that prayer vessel afterward because it becomes what we mentioned earlier in the process, a support sparks which are which are clearly muktza, they're fire. So on Shabbos, not only are you not allowed to move muktza items, you're not allowed to take items and put them in a position where it would render them into a buses, into a muktza, I, 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 for something which is muktza. The Gemara and the Tzaiti is sparks we're not worried about, as sparks do not really last. As soon as they hit the metal tray, they're going to extinguish, and therefore it's not considered like it ever had anything mukta on top of it to begin with. Says the Gemara, two dots, this is really, um, this little snippet of Gemara comes up when it comes to understanding electricity and grammar technology. So this little Gemara is a good bit to put in the pocket if one ever examines in depth the halachas of electricity on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, so we said you can't even put water inside a vessel which when a spark lands there, it will go out. Says the Gemara, this Mishnah sounds like the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. What does Rabbi Yaisi teach us? Yaisi is more stringent than the Rabbanon. And he holds not only is extinguishing a fire on Shabbos forbidden, but even causing indirectly a fire to be extinguished would, uh, would be considered uh, kiboy on Shabbos, would be forbidden. That is Gemara Vitibra. Is that really logical? Rabbi only said that you may not cause a fire to go out on Shabbos, even indirectly. The of Shabbos, but Friday right before Shabbos, me, Amar, he never said that it's forbidden. And if you'll tell me that our Mishnah is actually referring to Shabbos, not the error of Shabbos, like we want to say, that our Mishnah permits you to put water there from before Shabbos. We have a Brisa very similar to our Mishnah, which forbids you from from uh, putting a vessel there, which permits you to put a vessel underneath, even, of course, before Shabbos, but even on Shabbos. Well, you cannot fill that vessel with water. And the Bryce explicitly mentions even to fill it with water from before Shabbos. So we have a clear indication from a bracket which mirrors the language now that to place a water around the candle even before Shabbos, knowing that the water is going to on Shabbos extinguish that flame. I guess when the candle melts low enough, the water is going to overwhelm it and uh, and put out the flame, or less than that, that the sparks will land on the water and the water will be putting out the flame, you can't even, you can't do Erev Shabbos, and even on, and for sure on Shabbos you can't do. And we want to say that our Mishnah is very much in as that Brisa. So Ravashi says that you're right, not Rebbeis. Our Mishnah is not in accordance with Rebbeis. Rebbeis is too lenient to be our Mishnah. 
Rather, Alamish is Rabbanan. The reason why, uh, the reason why here, sorry, the Chacham are more machmer than Rabbi Yaisi, are more lenient than Rabbi Yaisi. Over here, are they more machmer than our Mishnah? This was a special Zera that at the time that you're putting in the water on Shabbos, um, you may come to extinguish the flame. And we will geyser air of Shabbos that even Friday afternoon, you can't fill uh, it with water as you may come to doing it on Shabbos itself by extinguishing it. These are already a glimpse, this last follows a glimpse into the world of causing fires to go out. If there is any fire component to electricity, such as a circuit, and a hot metal filament in a bulb, even doing an action which will later cause it to go out seems to already have been forbidden from the time of our Gemara, and there's much discussion with uh, electricity and timers and clocks, and this Gemara plays a small part in that discussion. Hadron Allah Kira, that is the conclusion of the of Parakakira, and of course we start right away with the next parak. But that uh, we start with Parakakira. That was a Parakakira had a lot of fundamentals of both cooking and the laws of Mukta, which we now have a fair enough introduction to. Says the Gemara, the mad timing, the bemaring the shab what may you cover in on Shabbos with to keep them warm food items? And what do we say is uh, the, the main... I'll just read the first Rashi because it gives a beautiful explanation to this. Med Taimin on the left-hand margin. If you would like, if you wish to remove a food item from the stove on Shabbos, and you want to wrap it up to keep it warm. They only wrap food on Shabbos completely, Shabbos and items which maintain but not items which contribute heat. Says the Gemara, ain't timing. What it says the Mishnah, it's again, it's like the Mishnah again. What may or may not use to wrap food on Shabbos? You may not use gepes, uh, which is like the rashes the psoilus shabbat What after you press items in an in a olive press, so the olives or whatever you pressed in that press, the skins that's left over. You cannot make a sort of wrapper with that item, and that's considered something which contributes its own heat to the to the to the the, the material. The zevel, you can't use zevel. Zevel is a uh, manure. The mela, and not with salt. The loiba sid, and not with uh, I think sid is a type, uh, uh, some type of. Uh, Plaster, but I thought it was a lime. Below the chol, and not with sand. Bein lachem bein yevashim, whether it's wet sand or dry sand. Below the teven, and not with straw. Below the zogin, below the mukin, below the asavin. Is man shein lachem avotanim shein yevashim. 
Zogin and Muchin and the seven. Are the pits of um, the pits of, of straw? Rashi's soil show you of what of grapes and muffin is anything that's soft, uh, such as a type of uh, um, like any type of soft wool or cotton um, threads. That would be a problem if it if they were wet. So the question is about all these things. Do we understand why they're all in this category that the Mishnah considers to be that they create heat? Rashi says on some of them, that they're very hot, that it seems like these items, um, the heat rises even after, the, even with not being attached to any heat source, they contribute their own, they have their own natural uh, heating gas that gets released when you wrap them around a hot substance. Says the Gemara, is not really clear when we said the get what was left over from the out from the press, from the uh, in the base habad, after you crush grapes, did we mean or olives? Did we mean specifically olives that the skins of the olive was left over in the olive crush in the olive press? Uh, but sesame seeds would not be what was left after crushing sesame seeds to make sesame oil. Would that not be a problem? Or perhaps our mission was referring, in fact, to the gephas, to the uh, wrappers, to the to the pieces of of gephas, which was uh, of uh, sesame seeds, which was left there in the mill. And kosher kingsaysim and certain skins of olives would also be forbidden. The mission is not clear which skins of which natural of which foods it considers to be forbidden or not to use as a wrapper for hot food on Shabbos which came off the fire. the Amr of Zeirah, let's bring a proof from the following statement. The Amr of Zeirah, Misham Chad, the Bey Reb Yanai, Reb Zeirah taught us from somebody in the house of Reb Yanai, in the Bishmajish of Reb Yanai, Kupa, Shatayim, 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 a Kupa, a basket, um, uh, uh, a box or a basket that you wrapped up you may not place it on top of this on top of this on top of this the leftover what's left over in the press from olives so here's a slightly different case because we're talking about where you took a pot. You want to now the item, the food is, or a basket, a pot, a kupa. Um, so you you had heated it up in the pot. Now you want to take it. Um, it's in a pot. You want to take it and put it on top of the gefes, which will still continue to provide heat even after the onset of Shabbos. And what did we learn? Specifically, Gethashel Zaysim there, Zayra mentioned, 
mentioned that it was taught to him specifically the gap is Shalzeisim are forbidden. Shemami no, Shalzeisim is not. But, uh, uh, so we see that the Zaysim olives are what's forbidden, but other types of uh, other types of skins that were used to wrap, uh, or what was left of the fruit in the crushing in in the in the crush would be permitted. Nan, we learned in the Mishnah. So from this proof, the now Mishnah well is only referring to. Uh, the gift of Allah. Says the Gemara, really have no proof. And I'll tell you, sesame, if you took sesame seeds which had been crushed and formed a blanket to them, you may not wrap your food up in Shabbos. The Indian, Asuke, the Zaysen, Maski, Havala, the Shumshan, and Maski, Havala. The Indian, Atmana, the Shumshan, and Nami, Asa. When it comes to Hatamana, we don't differentiate. But when it comes to this, uh, um, if you, since you, um, it seems like there's another prohibition over there because, um, uh, sorry, we allow you to put it. There to do it over there by with the case of the pot in put the pot in uh, this wrapper of sesame, and the reason why it's permitted over there and not by hatamana is because over there you're just using the heat from underneath, but you're not actually wrapping it up since it's in a pot and you're just putting it on top of. Uh, on top of the uh, of the sesame uh, seeds, which were being used to create heat, so therefore we, don't, we allow you to do it as long as you're not wrapping it with it. The Gemara says there's a difference. Hatman is a very specific restriction. Hatman is where you completely wrap it up. Um, you completely wrap it up in an item. Here, uh, over there, we said that you can't use the leftover sesame seeds. However, when it comes to just putting a pot on top of a hot sesame seeds, which had been crushed previously, we have no problem as you're not wrapping it up completely. You're just using the heat that's underneath it. And have a wonderful day. And this is the new Thank you, Rabbi. We already had a small taste and entrance earlier, but now is the this is the main parrot that discusses the laws and the restrictions of wrapping items on Shabbos or before Shabbos if they will cause an increase in heat to the food on Shabbos, like cooking, and we're afraid you're going to come to allow people to wrap pots up or food items with coals and other things which, will, which are real fire. Yeshakayach.